Welcome to Your Food Looks Funny. I am Marcus T, and I have a special guest today, as usual, uh, recently. My dad is here, and we're going to talk about whatever we feel like. I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. All right, so like I said, we got another special guest here today, extra special. If he weren't here, I wouldn't be here, so you can thank him for part of the show. Uh, we're talking kitchen improv, which is basically whatever we feel like talking about when it comes to food. Dad, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> All right. So we were just having a conversation, which will probably end up being a uh, kind of some bonus content for people. But you're a ball of laughs as usual. <laughs> we, we Let me describe this for people. So I've described this before, and I think I did an episode specifically on kitchen improv, but... The style that I have developed when it comes to cooking is based off of just watching this guy for years. Open cabinets, <laughs> look in the cabinets for like 30 minutes to an hour until he just, you know, randomly came up with something delicious. And, and he couldn't tell you how he did it. He probably won't repeat it. It will never taste the same again. So you just got to enjoy it when you got it the first time. Am I, am I about right on that description? I mean, that's how it goes. Go with the flow. Yeah. Um, now pretty much and last night, this actually just happened. So when I made, um, I, I don't know if you've ever had the Parmesan crusted chicken from Longhorn before. Yes. So I made up something to copycat that last night, just out of what we had in the refrigerator. And I always tell my wife the same thing. If it's not good, I didn't make it. Amen. <laughs> so I'm like, it's, it eat it at your own risk because I don't know if I'll be able to repeat it again. And she enjoyed it. She loved it actually. But uh, that's when I take the credit for it, which is pretty much what you did. If it was nasty, you know, it was it was up to you because you decided to eat it. So it's your own fault. Yeah, that's that's up to you. <laughs> right. I never ran into any of those problems with any of your dishes ever. Did you start? I know you've worked in restaurants before. Did you like working in restaurants? I never liked working. <laughs> Good answer. Never liked working. Just had to. I gotcha. And the reason I started working in restaurants, because in high school, I went through uh, vocational food service mm -hmm. because that's what all they would allow us <laughs> certain limits. They didn't give us a, a higher education. They gave us service education. Gotcha. All right. Working in restaurants, you said in high school. Yeah. We started a thing in high school called the uh, Erie. I mean, the uh, brass lantern. We uh -huh. named it that I was, that was probably 1972. That was four hours a day in class learning everything from uh, tossing salads to cleaning, washing dishes, and the business end of food service. Yep, yep, yep. I still remember my teacher's name. Her name was Miss Didi, beautiful lady. And you learn every aspect of the restaurant business. We would even learn critiquing and, and, and uh, critics. We'd go to restaurants in Columbus and watch everything people were doing. And we had to come back and take a test on what we saw right or wrong. And, how the napkins were set and place settings, everything, everything, everything. Yeah, I remember it being there, but didn't it close down like shortly after I got to high school or right before or something like that? Right, not too long after I think they closed it, but it started back in, like I say, 72. We were like the first vocational ed class that ever was at Sandusky High School. Hmm. That and uh, cosmetology, they started it the same year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was there. If it, if it was... If it was still there when I was in high school, I don't recall, but 
if it was, I don't think I would have picked it up, but it probably would have saved me or give me a head start on, you know, my culinary knowledge and just restaurant management. So it seems like a very beneficial thing. And Sandusky was good for having vocational programs. And I don't think a lot of kids take enough. They take for granted what they got there. That's, that's what I want to say. They take for granted what they have at that school. Some of them use it. Some of them don't, but that's a, a great, basically free in quotations, head start on what you would have to pay for as soon as you leave college. Mm-hmm. The reason I joined, the reason I joined because of what you said about looking in cabinets and stuff like that. Uh-huh. When you, when you, when you grow up and you don't have anything, whatever you do have, you learn to make do with it. Right. And uh, I figured I was going to get a free meal <laughs> <laughs> if I joined these classes. And uh, I had took everything else. I had took graphics, power, metal, construction. Uh, all these classes, and then when I got to the the tenth grade or the eleventh grade, rather, vocational food service. Like I said, I don't like working, and that didn't seem like work to me. <laughs> and uh, I fell in love. It was a small class. I think we had twelve people in the class. Man, my best friend was in there. Well, he joined after I did, and then they had some beautiful women in there. Mm. And, and and I knew how to cook because when you come from a family as big as mine you know how to cook already, but they taught us a different aspect of cooking. They taught us how to do it. You know, instead of me just learning to just throw something in there and use what I had, they got more specific with what you were doing. And I was, I was, when you're doing something you love, it's not work. And, 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 and the teacher loved me because of the attitude and I didn't mind doing whatever, you know, she loved me. And we, you know, we all got together like a family. It wasn't like, a class it was like a family and we still if i see any of them or talk to any of them it's like we can go right back to that those years and have the best time in our lives like we went back in time yeah i've noticed with food and food service you tend to get a lot closer i don't know if it's because you're gathering around something that you have to deal with every day Mm -hmm. um, something that's so personal to everybody eating food family they all just kind of tie in together and uh, i think our culinary school class was about 12 people yeah. I don't think we were that close. We were close enough when we were there, but once we all kind of scattered around the country, we all went our separate ways. But food in general has been a, a close-knit thing. For some of my closer friends, they're all involved in the same kind of industry. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't have a lot of close friends um, <laughs> to, to start off there. And I've said that before. I don't because I do a lot of moving around. I like to be in different places. I like to do different things. And uh, so probably the closest person to me is – is one of my former sous chefs who's now an executive chef up here, but he, we live in the same area, but you know, we know the, the similar lifestyle of, you know, working in a kitchen full time and working for a hotel industry. And, you know, he's from Detroit, so not far from where we are, Yeah, yeah but, yeah. but yeah, we, we related on that level. And then he almost cursed me out when I said, uh, I was from Ohio cause he thought I was a fan of that other team. Why would you say the other team's name? No, we don't do that here. But um Okay. But he when I when he found out I was a Michigan fan, that's what, what locked us in. Oh my goodness. Why you say Michigan? Oh, because I'm a Michigan fan. I'm I'm not oh, I'm not man. gonna say the other team, but Okay. Is that the fan that goes backwards? Yeah, yeah, whatever they do. I don't I don't know what they <laughs> whatever. Our team ain't been looking too good recently, but you know, I'll live and die with them, I guess. I hear you. I hear you. And and, and I was gonna say something about that going to that 
vocational food service uh-huh. is why when you saw me in the kitchen, see, because you actually didn't know at the time when you were younger that I had went through that food service. And what it was, was here I was a poor boy with executive knowledge about restaurants, uh-huh. but I didn't get a chance to use them because when you, when it's a difference from being at home and cooking and being in a, a classroom setting where everything is there. Just like Martha Stewart, when you see her putting everything together, it's been measured out and all that. I learned that in school, but I had the pre-knowledge of watching mama just dash something in there. Or or I see, let me tell you what I saw my mom do one day that's, that's fascinating. I had just went to the refrigerator and I seen in the freezer, I seen ice cubes and something with a lot of frost on it. Mm-hmm. And when I shut that door, I opened the bottom door. I think I seen baking soda and what do you call, you wouldn't call it a slab of bacon, but I think they called it a, I can't know what that big block of uh, pork is with the big fat in there. It's just for flavor. I seen that. And I think I might've seen a couple eggs in the refrigerator. Now imagine this, she, I shut that door and I figured we're not eating today. (laughs) My mom goes to the door. And when I see her again, we got a whole meal. Now you tell me how she did it. Wow. I, I don't know. Especially with as many as y'all as it was, if you didn't see anything there to eat as an individual, I don't know how she saw enough for everybody to eat. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that's how my cooking uh, came in about. You go, you, you, that's why you go to the cabinet and look. Right. You didn't go to the store to buy specific stuff for a particular meal. You bought all the things that you needed as a necessity. And then later on, you blend them to whatever you want to make that day. Uh-huh. And then you got to also, you also learn how to substitute. And also, uh, what I would say is, uh, uh, I don't have this, but you think I'm going to run to the store to get it? I'll use that. Right. You know? Right. Exactly. <laughs> well, I can make this taste like that, but it'll be a different flavor. The other day, my wife was so happy that I made her this steak sandwich. She couldn't believe it. They've been in the freezer forever, but I had bought these little press conformed steaks, right? Uh-huh. That I was using during the COVID when she was in South Carolina. So I said, when he did, I'm going to show you what I made me. And I went in there and I made it for her. So I took this steak and they fall apart when you cook it. Uh-huh. So what I do, first of all, I put a little butter in the pan and I chop some onions up raw and put them in there. And then I set the steak on top of it. When I set the t- steak on top of it, I cover it. Well, I put a little bit of mesquite a little onion powder because I'm already using onion on the bottom and I put a little garlic pepper and maybe just a taste of accent. And then I cover that and I'll let the steak sit there and marinate. And as it's marinating, it's also falling apart a little bit, but then I got this pita out. Then I got toasted the pita bread and then I take the lettuce and tomato, chop them up, lay them in there while the steak is cooking. And then what I did was I took um, the steak, lay it in there, fold it over. But before that, I take some RV sauce in those all those million packages I got up there. I take some RV sauce and then I've had a little cucumber dressing that I didn't use on my last sandwich. Mm. And I spread that on there and then I fold it up and she tasted it and she said, I don't know what you did to the sandwich for, but that sucker was good. And see, and, and the thing about it though is I know that you can cook with recipes. Mm-hmm. But I, what I like is that you can take whatever you got and make something out of it. 
And like you said it, and I like how you said it, the next time you get it, it might not be the same, but it might be even better. Right. Because next time it might have a bacon crunch to it, or it might have, you know, not Arby's sauce, but it might have a little horseradish sauce in it, and I don't eat it, but, <laughs> you know, but it makes a better flavor. I'm telling you. And those little packages that I used to save, it made me learn something, that, that honey is not honey, <laughs> you know? You know, but the thing about it though, that stuff makes some good stuff. It makes heck, heck of a barbecue sauce. Uh-huh. You know, so all I know is you you if you can use what you got, that's even better than having a recipe. Because that way, if I make it this time, it might be unique and you might like you said, never get it again, but it'll be on the back of your mind like I've never made chilies the same way. <laughs> I've never made spaghetti sauce the same way. Some been better and some was extra good, but some was like, ah, that's base for the next one, <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, a lot of good points there you just made. And I, before I forget this one, I want to make sure I try to find it. Okay, so you were saying using the packet. So almost <laughs> almost everybody we know got a drawer, a canister, something with leftover packets from every restaurant they've been to. So this uh, this show, me and Tamara just randomly caught the other day on uh, on Food Network, I think it was. Or... Mm-hmm. No, it might have been on some other. It's some other random channel. But I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's called Struggle Meals. Okay. So this guy will basically wing, just wing it, the whole show with random stuff that they put in his refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And he has a drawer that's like nicely organized. He got like two, three hundred packs of random sauces. <laughs> and that stuff come in handy yeah he'd be like oh let's pull out a little bit of the sriracha pack and uh yes. you know i'm like dude and he, he, it looks okay i mean obviously i can't taste it because he's on the show but right he's doing exactly what you're talking about he's just making it up out of what he has what you have right and you said another good thing going to the store to get one ingredient that you're missing when you probably have something you can substitute for it in your house already anyway yes and, and I like what you said on one of your other podcasts. It's not limiting, limiting you to one flavor mm-hmm. because I, I, I can make the same thing if I use a recipe and make it taste the same. But what experience am I losing by not trying something that I don't have and, by, and, and putting something that I do have in it? I'm, I'm, if I didn't have taste buds, I'd eat snow and it'd taste like snow cone. But since my taste buds are, are, are trained to like good food, who's to say that it has to be the same taste? Exactly. My taste buds stand up and say, hey, do you got any more of those packages? <laughs> <laughs> my taste buds, they got, they got a mind of their own. They say we got millions of taste buds. I don't know if it's millions or thousands. Thousands. But each one of mine got a name. <laughs> each one of mine knows what he likes. And I've had him jump to the other side of my mouth because he was getting something over there that he wasn't getting on the backside over here. And they they know what they like. Mm-hmm. I remember when I had the COVID-19, they were boycotting. They didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> they were mad at me because they weren't doing, and they were just doing all kind of stuff. But now that I'm done with that, I'm over that, mm-hmm. they are alive. They've got new suits on. <laughs> you know, I think a few of them bought steel toe boots. <laughs> And, and they are alive. I don't even have to put salt on my food very much. I eat the flavors, and the salt is already in there. My my mouth is wide awoke. I think that COVID-19 gave me a different uh, – uh, I was telling my wife, my smell 
and my taste buds, it made me want to just eat the food the way it is without adding a lot to it now. And I, and I, and I, I could sit down and she might ask me, you want some this or salt or pepper? I said, no, I want, I want to experience it the way it is. And I'm eating a lot of stuff I wouldn't eat. I'm eating sour cream now. Who knows? I would never eat that stuff. Sour cream? I'm not eating that. I'm not eating that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know you didn't eat sour cream. No, I didn't eat no sour cream. And rutabagas. I'm, I told her the other day, I might have to try rutabagas. You know your dad sat down the other, or Thanksgiving before, and I ate, I mean, not Thanksgiving, but she made like a meal that traditionally people eat at Thanksgiving, dressing, you know. I hated that stuff. Dressing, macaroni and cheese, you know, because I like ma creamy macaroni and cheese. I don't like it like a cake. But anyway, uh, that, they had sweet potatoes. You ever see me eat that stuff? No. Never. Well, I sat down there. I was on my second plate at 10 o'clock. And I was eating it, you know, I like, a, I like a spoonful of this with this, this. I got to have a straight proportion of what's on my fork. I want that. I want a little of this, a little of that, a little of that, and each fork full. But I sat down and I ate traditional Thanksgiving meals this year more than I've eaten ever in my life. I've ate it three times. I ate it three times. She could, She's sitting over there looking at me like. Oh, and you said somebody else cooked this, right? Arlene cooked it for oh, me. Oh, okay. I said, because I know if you cooked it, you would have been fooled by the time you put your fork on the plate. Yeah, but see, I didn't eat that stuff. I don't eat dressing. I don't eat greens. I don't eat sweet potatoes. But I was eating it like a champ. I knew the sweet potatoes, and I probably could have guessed dressing, but I didn't know yeah. a lot of the rest of the stuff. Yeah, I didn't eat greens. I didn't eat sweet potatoes. Uh, cornbread I'll eat, but I, 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 macaroni and cheese, if it's baked in the oven, uh, I'll wait till you walk out the kitchen, and I'll stick it in the microwave and add a little milk and cream it up. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I guess I got that from you. I don't know if you remember mom's macaroni and cheese, but it was like that. It was like the, uh, you know, the, the solid firm, and, you know, you, you cut it out like it's lasagna. And I've talked about yeah. this on, on, it was like episode three where your family's food isn't as good as you think it is. Her macaroni and cheese was good. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There. yeah. But it wasn't the style that I like. It was, it was so firm and solid. Like I want mine, like you said, creamy and you know, it can have some gooeyness to it, but I want it loose, looser. And another reason I wouldn't eat a lot of people macaroni and cheese is because the overcooked noodles. I like all dental. I, I like that. I like that firmness in the noodle, and a lot of people can't get. And that's why I don't eat um, uh, uh, tuna noodle casserole because no one knows how to make it. No one. Pass. But if you ever, if I ever made it, everyone would eat it. And not to say because of the taste, is because this lady named Helen Rice. I have to say her name. She can. She's she's gone, and, and she's one of my best friends grandmother she made it so good that i can't eat anybody else's anymore because i don't like them noodles squishing up in the back of my mouth i don't like it when they put too many peas and or the little it's supposed to just have a hint of vegetables in there but people put the whole thing in there and it starts looking like a cement block come on you ever seen concrete that's got the bigger rocks in it yes that's what it's starting to look like and i don't like it. and then the top layer they overcook it, and nobody knows how to make the buttered crumbs anymore. I don't know what they be making. I feel like they iron it down or something. But <laughs> buttered crumbs are supposed to be flaky and buttery and toasty. It's supposed to add a little crunch to your food. But it's starting to cake in. It looks like a layer of uh, a mortar uh, when I'm getting. And I don't. I'm, I don't mean to talk about people because nobody can say I'm talking about their food. 
because I had to let them make that for me. But I, I have seen this. I have seen it, especially when people put aluminum foil on it and bring food to a picnic and say, I made this. I said, you might want to wait to tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> because I ain't eating that. <laughs> Shoot. But tuna noodle casserole is one of the best dishes you can ever eat with um, yeast rolls mm. if you make it right. I, I got to make some for you. You don't like tuna? I like tuna. You got to let me make some one day when the noodles are perfect and when the creaminess is like a flow. It's not like a solid brick, you know? You know, it's, it's, it's like your, your uh, cherry cheesecake. A lot of people like the New York style or the, uh, you know, that solid cheesecake. I like that creamy, you know, that, that, that's why I never got rid of that recipe you gave me a long time ago. I, I use that and people think I'm a genius, <laughs> you know, and I don't give you none of the credit because I figure after I made it three times, it's mine. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean, somebody taught me, Lamar taught me how to make it, so. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best recipe I had. And I didn't like cheesecake before that. I didn't like that cakey or whatever that other cheesecake was. I don't know what that was. Right. Now, the Cheesecake Factory can make some good cheesecake. I guess so. It's in the name. Well, I mean, they have to or they go out of business. Yeah, but but that cheesecake that I make of yours that you gave me the recipe for, that is the only one I'll ever make. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the no-bake versions are completely different than the ones that you, you bake up and they get super firm. And people tend to over-bake it. They don't let it sit right at that creamy consistency. So right. It's, yeah. it's like the macaroni and cheese. They get it from being a little bit creamy. I don't mind you baking it if it can stay creamy. But I don't like it when it when you can spatula it out that looks like a lasagna and it's eaten and then and, and you can cut it with a fork and the part that falls over. <laughs> Falls over and don't and don't break apart. It's like you got to break that down. Yeah, I talked to my cousin Shantae about this on the last episode. It was a movie called Chef. You ever seen it? I don't think so. Not so in this movie, the, there was a critic that was talking to uh, the chef, and he he made him a molten chocolate lava cake. You know, the inside is supposed to be gooey. Yeah. So he said it was dry, and he said you didn't even have the courage to undercook the molten chocolate cake. Wow. So I, I I leaned back in my chair as I heard that. I was like, he told him that to his face. To his face. Right. But it, it's with bait, just in general, with baked goods, a lot of people are afraid that they're going to undercook it. So they'll overcook it instead. Cheesecake, cookies, brownies, whatever, they'll end up too solid or too crispy. I like a nice soft cookie. Yeah. Yeah. So they. Especially oatmeal and, and, and uh, peanut butter, because if you take them out when they're a little under, they still cooking. Right, exactly. And then once they form, they give you the consistency that you really want. Mm -hmm. Don't give me one where the edges and started turning brown, and, and then when you take it out of the oven, uh, they get hard, and you expect me to eat it. Right. And you know, I used to bake cookies all the time. Oh, I know. And my brother, he he didn't like cookies that well, but then he went to the store. I, I made this one cookie with the butterscotch morsels, the chocolate chip morsels, uh, M&M's. I put all this in and I also made, I had the toll house, but I made the butter and I blended it. Some of the best cookies in the world. He had me make him a paper bag, the big paper bag full of them. And I wanted to get a couple of them from him. He said, no, I paid you for these. <laughs> these are mine. <laughs> Isn't that something? It was transactional. <laughs> yeah. And he didn't eat cookies, but he loved them. And that's why I don't, uh, I'm not saying I don't eat Girl Scout cookies anymore, but I used to love them. They used to be so good. 
but now it's just like the Snickers. Yeah. You know, they don't have those real flavors that they used to have. I think they're going too far with the imitation. And and I think you said it on that uh, Cheerio commercial or on the uh, cereal commercial, uh, the flavor additives is not the real thing. The real thing made the flavors. Now they're making it a flavor and you're supposed to say, oh yeah, that tastes just like it. <laughs> no, it don't. Yeah. Have you ever seen a commercial where they says, this is like that? Yeah, yeah. With and you're supposed to accept it like it's the real thing, but they say it so fast that a lot of people then got inundated with, okay, this is like that, but it's not that. So that means it's it's not the same. When you read that package and it's got that highlight at the bottom, it says made with natural and artificial flavors. Like, come on now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I, I think about you a lot when I when I when I see you. And, and on the podcast and, and how you got to be but I can remember you when you used to eat sitting in that big chair at your mom's house and she would just give you more than enough food and I look at you and your mouth would square up like <laughs> you knew what good was right? Yeah. you know what I'm saying because you didn't eat if it was nasty I didn't see you eat nothing. eating as a kid for flavor mm-hmm. and enjoyment and I know that I've seen it with my own eyes and I cook, I don't cook to throw nothing away. I cook that if you put it in the refrigerator and it's leftover and you warm it up, it should be just as good, mm-hmm. if not better. Yeah. You know, so I, we were talking about when you go to the store to buy food. Okay, say you might want uh, 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 chicken cordon bleu. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to the store to buy stuff just for chicken cordon bleu. I might get uh, chicken breast. I might get filet chicken breast. But I'm not going to buy a filet chicken breast, not me. I'm going to buy the real chicken, and I'm going to cut the chicken breast away so I can use the other part, <laughs> you know. And it's cheaper. Yeah, it's cheaper. People don't realize that. You can buy a whole chicken for $3.37 or $4 at the most, but you can buy a, a, a chicken breast for $12. Right. <laughs> Wait a minute. But I'm not going to go to the store just to buy the ingredients for chicken cordon bleu. I'm going to buy chicken. I'm going to buy the cheese. I'm going to buy, you know, the crumbs. I'm going to buy all that. But that's for anything I might want to use it for. No particular thing. And chicken cordon bleu might not come out of that batch. (laughs) One thing about me, and I noticed about you, uh, see, I don't go to restaurants that much. You notice that, right? You notice when I go to a restaurant, I barely eat my food. Yeah, I know. Because I get full on all the other, other aviance in the restaurant. And it goes back to high school. I had to watch and look at everybody in the restaurant. It wasn't there. I wasn't going there to eat. Mm-hmm. I was going there to watch the Mater D or the or the busboy or or the sounds in the kitchen. You know, do they really toss the salad? You know, or do they mix it with a, <laughs> you know, a tossed salad actually should be tossed. People don't know that, and I believe I believe it actually brings flavor out when you dry that lettuce. And you actually mix each thing together, and then you actually toss it. I, 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 maybe I'm wrong, but I, I proved it to myself the other day because usually I I won't take a whole bunch of I mean a whole head of lettuce and bust the the bottom out and, and you know throw it out, out, and, and then wash it. I usually just snatch a piece off because it's only me and my wife, and then I'll rinse it and turn it upside down and hope it drains. But the other day I did that. I did what we used to do, and she said something different about this salad. And I just kind of, 
I did what I was supposed to do. I actually tossed it. Yeah, it was it was a, such a long process when we learned. I think it was the first class that we had, which was like our, our skills class. It didn't even really have a name. It was just you learned all the basics. And it was such a long process of learning how to do a salad that I was like, this can't be, you know, and I didn't really like salad. I, I'm sure you remember that. I don't like, I didn't like salad. I eat it now. But salad in general, when they walked us through all the steps, I had to memorize it into a song. That's how long it was. Wow. <laughs> it was wash, drain, crisp, cut, mix, plate, garnish, refrigerate, add dressing. I was like, what, what is all this? Yeah. And with a toss salad, you don't use a knife. You do not use a knife to break the lettuce up. People don't realize if you use a knife on lettuce, it will brown even faster. So if you break it with your hand and you break it, you can, you can, it's each bite of that lettuce should be the size of that you want it in your mouth and not this big piece of lettuce here and this over here. And when you make your tomatoes or, or whatever you're going to put in, well, a tossed salad is only supposed to have certain things in it anyway. You're supposed to add what you want for that individual, but, but the proportion which each ingredient, it has a purpose. It has a purpose. And if you don't dry that lettuce at a certain way and it's wet, you ever notice that takes flavor away from stuff? A lot of people don't know that. But when I did that the other day, I proved to myself that, wait a minute, this is not how you learn how to do this. I started just doing it, you know, just to have a nice meal. But then I said, I'm going to do it the way I was supposed to do it and see what happened. And I, and, I, and I asked my wife, I was sitting there, she said, that salad is good. But the reason it was good, and I'm going to tell you the reason why it was really good. I served it before the meal. I served it like I was supposed to because usually I would serve it, you know, like the steak. Because I cooked her for Valentine's Day. I cooked her the steak, and I would normally bring everything out together. But while I was cooking the steak and the, and the, and the flaky biscuits and, and whatever else I was cooking, oh, the baked potatoes and stuff, I brought the salad out with everything with it. And I presented, she said, I feel like I'm at Longhorn. I said, no, you're at Homehorn. <laughs> you know? And she was eating a salad and she could smell the aromas coming out of the kitchen. You know, it was more like, I said, that's what a salad is supposed to do. It, it's supposed to get you ready for the next meal. But if you're eating it all together, you're not, I'm only looking at, I got all this food to eat and then I lose my appetite. But that salad separate made her ready to eat. And it was, I had learned this a long time ago, but I never really used it because, you know, I mean, I did use it, but it was a lost art. That's what I meant to say. It was a lost art because you don't forget it. It's just that other people don't know. it. And a lot of times I don't do a lot of things or I didn't do a lot of things because my kids were just wanting to eat. They didn't want to hear all this three forks over here and I'm serving you to the, from the left and, you know, and I'm pouring the drink for you with the glass cocked at a certain angle. They didn't want to see that. All they, it was ready. We want to eat, you know, excuse me, you know. And they didn't know that I, in, in, in my uh, spaghetti that I had used my own tomatoes and, and, you know, and that I had cooked it three days ahead of time and stored it, you know, the sauce away. You know, they, they, they didn't want to hear that. It tastes good, but they didn't know why it tastes good. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't that in depth as a kid. So when you made stuff, I wasn't really asking you uh, where the, you know, was it locally grown? Was it organic? Like, I didn't, I didn't care about that stuff. You use pesticides. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See, but I cook like that. I cook like that for my kids because I had knew 
you know, from scratch. You didn't see no ragu sitting up in there. I mean, I would get ragu and stuff like that. But I mean, normally if I cooked some chili or whatever, it, everything in there was from scratch. Spaghetti and, and you know, I, that's what I wanted was a, as a kid and we didn't have it. And I think that's another reason why I joined. Like, I, I think I mentioned that food service because I wanted to make sure I was gonna be able to eat. But once I learned it and God gave me the, uh, the uh, grace and mercy to be able to afford that for my kid, I'm not gonna go out and buy uh, Chef Boy or whoever he name is and serve it to you. Now, if you want some of that, I got cans of it on the shelf, but I can cook this, make a pot of it, freeze it, and you can have your own little <laughs> individual whenever you want. And making meatballs, I've lost my art of making them, but I used to make them and freeze them for later on. And, and, and it seemed like the flavor just stays in them so much more. I don't even think these are meatballs that they got at the store. I think they're uh, bread balls with meat flavor. <laughs> but those are the nastiest things that, and people bring them to the party like all the time, like hors d'oeuvres. I don't want to eat no little glue ball. Look <laughs> like little gorilla glue ball. <laughs> and, one, and you just stick a toothpick in it, and it won't hardly come out. <laughs> and they roll all over the floor. And my meatballs got peppers in it, onions, and seasoning, and you know. And when you open it up, it could be a meal on itself. But these things, I, I think people have got so used to going to the store and buying prepackaged stuff that they think it's okay, it's good. But if you're used to that. It's one thing, but I'm I'm not used to that. I'm not used to it, and I'll still do it. I'll go to the, the little party where somebody put a little barbecue sauce on all those meatballs and, or hors d'oeuvres and put them on my plate. And I said, well, maybe this time it's going to be better, you know. And you pull one out. I don't know if you can see my hand. You pull one of the meatballs out and put the fork in it, you know, and it's the same old. And I said, why did I get eight? I should have got right. two. Right. You just need a sampler. Yeah. But I spoiled myself because the food service um, um, did that. Miss Thede did that to me. You know, they taught they taught a poor, I won't say poor in, in, in finances, but in spirit, person, and taught him things that he didn't know he was going to enjoy later on. I didn't even know that I wasn't going to be able to afford a, a cheeseburger. But now I'll try to go like, I, I don't like going to Burger King but sometimes you'd be so hungry. I don't even want them to put the cheese on my burger because they'll put a cold piece of cheese on that little uh, shy burger or that little uh, cardboard burger. And it just goes to show me that whoever in that kitchen is just getting a paycheck. They, they don't care, you know, because when I cook at a restaurant, I was gonna eat that sandwich. Or when you send it back, I wasn't throwing it away. You know what I'm saying? So it had to be good enough for me to eat and it was going to be better for you to eat because I'm going to cook it like I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to cook it like I'm just doing a job. And that's that's one reason a lot of the restaurants that I did work out, they didn't want me to go. Hmm. Every plate going out like I would eat it. Every dish, I, I mean, I was dishwasher, I was busboy. I did the same thing with, you know, because I did the same thing with washing dishes. I didn't want to get a plate and a cheese was stuck up around the crust of it. And then you got it. You act like you didn't see it when you put my food on it. All right. Or look at the bottom of the plate and ketchup is still stuck on it. And please don't give me a glass that looks cloudy. 
or a fork that's got cheese stuck in between the tines. <laughs> we were critics, and that woman in my 11th grade class gave us all this knowledge. I mean, I could be a food critic, believe it or not, but it's because I like food. I guess when you get a name like Meatloaf, you have to like food. <laughs> and unfortunately, we're going to have to end the episode there. Come back next week for part two of Why Dad Loves Food and Taking Over My Show. But check us out on yourfoodlooksfunny.com. Donate to the show there. Check us out on social media, YFLF Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And we'll see you guys next week. All right.